0: Today's sermon, well, they've turned the light back on, let's say that. (laughs) Last week they turned the light out on me. I thought they wanted me to go home, but um, let there be light. Today's um, sermon is the fourth in a six-part series I've entitled Going Deeper, A Call to Follow Christ. We call Christ Lord, and we are called Disciples. It's an old word, disciple. If you replaced it, it, perhaps the best word for us would be the word student. So the question becomes, are we students of Jesus? And if we are, what have we learned from him? What are we learning now? Where is the classroom? We call him Lord, which is to call him one who teaches who leads. So whatever it means to be a Christian, it does not mean sitting in church. It means moving. We follow Christ. All of our life, regardless of how old we are, we're learning something. We never stop learning as students of Jesus. So going deeper is is a call to every baptized Christian to follow him more closely. Today the sermon is about a blind beggar. They came to Jericho, and as he and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and said, call him here. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord. I I literally grew up with this text. My dad was a Methodist minister in in eastern North Carolina. And when he died, um, after he died, we were cleaning out his things, and of course, there were all of his sermons. And as I was going through them, I found this one. He would put his sermons in envelopes, and he would write on them how many times he preached them, where, what date, um, and Methodists, you know, move around so they can use the same sermon all the time. <laughs> That's why they move around, actually. <clears throat> kind of run out of theology. Anyway, he... Um, he preached this sermon 75 times in his career. No other sermon had that many times or listings on it. Preached it all over the place. And I knew my dad loved this sermon, this this story. I'd heard it as a child, as a youth, as a young man. I only wish he was here to preach it for you. But it begins with blind beggar Bartimaeus sitting on the side of the road in Jericho. Jericho's an oasis in the middle of just the wilderness. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for the last Passover for uh, he will be crucified. This is his last trip. So this is a big trip Jesus is taking through Jericho. And here sits a blind beggar Bartimaeus And I I wonder as I read the text, what is this story going to have to do with me? One, I'm not blind. Two, I'm not a beggar. I live in Richmond, Virginia now. I don't live in Jericho in the old Bible days. I live in modern society. So is there anything in this story for me or for you? And then it strikes me. Bartimaeus is not one man. He's all people. Humanity, in a sense, we're all blind. We're all beggars. We're all in need of God's grace. This isn't a story about one man in history. It's about all men and women in all of history. He's a bigger story than himself. And if I were a blind beggar, there's no big deal in calling out for help. I'm blind. I'm a beggar. Of course, I'm going to, if I see an opportunity, I'm going to grasp it. But it strikes me when we don't think we need anything from God that we are the most blind. It strikes me that when we believe we are somehow self-sufficient, that we are the most impoverished. Oh, this man has a lot to do with us. And he must have known something about Jesus uh, because he wouldn't have parked himself on the side of the road knowing that Christ was going to be leaving Jericho that day. And he begins to shout out saying, Jesus, son of David. That's interesting. Why son of David? Jesus of Nazareth is a common name. That means Jesus from the little podunk town of Nazareth. Kind of like being from Farmville. Anybody here from Farmville? <laughs> okay, we're good. It's been years since I've been to Farmville. It might be a huge town. But, you know, it's, uh, Nazareth was a, was a trailer park for artisans who were working in a large city that Herod, uh, Herod was building. So it's a no place. Even Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So to call Jesus of Nazareth is like to say Steve Eason. But to say Jesus, son of David, is something else. David, in the Old Testament, is sitting at the pinnacle of Israel's history. Everything that God promised to Abraham and Sarah, I will make of you a great nation, I will take you to a land... I will will do this, I will do that. It came to fruition in who? David. David. How did you know? (laughs) David was the king of kings. In a sense, the Lord of lords. David was everything. Now, forget about Bathsheba. David was everything. And so to call Jesus, Jesus, son of David, is to say, Jesus, Jesus extension of the covenant with Abraham, the promise of the kingdom yet to come. That's what all that little word, those words mean. So he may be blind and he may be a beggar, but he's not stupid. He's heard of Jesus. Perhaps he's heard he's raised people from the dead. He's touched lepers and made them clean. He knows the story and he cries out to God in Christ. In that sermon my dad had on yellow pages, stuffed in that envelope, there was a phrase that I wanted to keep. It said, there is not a greater moment in a person's life than when they seek and cry out to God. Someone can be at the worst point of their life, and they might be at the best part of their life. They could be in their darkest hour, and they could be at the moment of transformation and change in their life. Finally, it's come to a place where you are willing to cry out for God. That's not a bad place for you to be. And Bartimaeus isn't crying for someone else. You notice how when we do prayers, we often, we're always praying for somebody else. I'm praying for Bob or Sally or my grandmother or my child. Bartimaeus is is crying out for himself. This is a prayer every human being in all of history must pray at some point. Jesus, have mercy on me. It's personal. It's intimate. Jesus, I'm I'm talking about me right now. My blindness, my poverty, my life, my relationship with God... Have mercy on me. Have you prayed that prayer ever in your life? It's my turn. I've been disconnected from God. I don't want Christ to have my life. You ask me, am I learning anything from Jesus? And the answer is no. I know it. You know it. Everybody knows it. I haven't learned anything from Jesus in 20 years. I go to church, but I haven't come to Christ. There's a difference. Going to a garage does not make you a mechanic. Bartimaeus, he's gone way past being religious. He wants a relationship. Have mercy on me. And then don't you find this next part interesting? It says many, many, that means a lot, like here. Many sternly, this is an interesting word in the Bible. Many sternly ordered him, ordered him to be quiet. Now I want you to do this with me. On the count of three, I want you to say at the top of your voice, all the kids will love this, use your outdoor voice, okay? I want you all to say, be quiet. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. That's kind of what it was like. (laughs) And if you're a blind beggar on the side of the road, how does that make you feel? You know, I don't know who Bartimaeus was. I I wish I did know who he was. But I know one thing. He was hungry for another life. And it says, he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, (whistles) (laughs) have mercy on me. I don't care what they say. This is my opportunity. It's time. It's time for me to be healed. It's time for me to get over this addiction. It's time for me to get back in this marriage and stop this running around. It's, it's time for me to use some discipline in my life. It's time for me to grow up. It's time for me to learn to pray, to be connected to God. It's time for me, for my heart, my hard, callous heart to be changed. It's time for me to forgive And let it go. This is my opportunity right now. I don't care what they say. Have mercy on me. And then it says this. The gospel writers wrote this down. These are the words they wrote down. Jesus stood still. So they got their attention. This is a parade going through Jericho. This isn't one guy and 12 little dudes walking through town, you know, and no big deal. This, Jesus was a rock star by the time he went to Jerusalem the last time. Do you understand that? He was a rock star, meaning the Bible says he could not any longer, he could no longer go into any of the cities because of his popularity. This is a throng of people. And the gospel writers say, Jesus stood still. Oh, it got everybody's attention. He has stopped. Oh, look. He stopped for a beggar. You know, if you read the whole Bible, you also understand that Jesus also stops for rich people like us. There's a story of a young, rich ruler, remember? And Jesus stopped for him. You don't have to be poor and you don't have to be a beggar and blind to get the attention of God. Nicodemus was rich. Joseph of Arimathea was rich. Zacchaeus was rich. Matthew was rich. And Jesus stopped for their lives because they were just as blind and just as empty as this beggar. It's interesting, when he stopped, he said to the crowd, call him here. Now... Jesus has singled out a poor blind beggar out of this whole crowd on his way to the cross, on his way to the resurrection. You know, he's got a bigger agenda than this guy, maybe. And he calls him here. Why do you think he called him there? I mean, you know, I don't think Jesus calls us to himself in order to diagnose our problems. You know, when Bartimaeus finally got to Jesus, I don't think Jesus said, Bartimaeus... um, I called you over here because I want to tell you something. Yes, Lord, what do you want to tell me? Bartimaeus, you, you, you are blind. Really? Who noticed? And yet, how many times does the modern church waste its time trying to tell the world what's wrong with it? How many pulpits today are wasting their time trying to diagnose the problems of the world? The world is blind. Yeah? You got anything else? <clears throat> Who doesn't know that? When you come to Christ, your life's about to change. He will never call you to himself and leave you where you are. Never. Never. You're going to change. And then the gospel writer told us this. This is weird. You'll never forget this right here. On your deathbed, you're going to remember this, okay? Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Why give me that detail? Why not just say, Uh, He ran to Jesus. He came quickly to Jesus. He did not hesitate to come to Jesus. Why do you tell me he threw off his cloak? A cloak is all a beggar has. It's his tent by night and his shelter by day. It's whatever is hindering him from coming to Jesus. We all have cloaks. There's the cloak of pride. I don't want to come to Christ because I'm a I'm a successful business person, and people would see that as a sign of weakness. There, there's there's the cloak of materialism. I, I don't want to I don't want to come to Christ because he'll ask me to. To give everything I've got in order, for the sake of the gospel. Th- there's the, there's the, the cloak of intellectualism. You know, Jesus, I've, I've got to understand this. And you know, it's got to make sense to me. It's got to be rational. I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Presbyterian. Do you understand right now in this moment that you are spinning at 66 miles an hour. Do you understand that? No. You don't feel like you're moving? This earth is rotating at 66,000 miles an hour and you don't understand it. And yet we wear the cloaks of intellectualism to where we Have to understand it in order for it to be true. Really? Job sat on a pile and said, You're God, I'm not. I'm good with that. What cloaks are you wearing? Well, I've worn them all doubt, skepticism, my shame, and my guilt. I can't come to Christ. I've got this cloak of shame. If God knew what I've done in my life, God wouldn't accept me. You do realize Jesus crawled up on a cross for you. And you're going to waste that because you think your sin is too big for God to forgive. What cloak are you wearing? So he threw off his cloak. And he sprang up and he came to Jesus. Now, here's a weird thing. Jesus, (laughs) don't you wish you had Jesus here for like five minutes? I mean, like the historical Jesus and just say, what were you thinking? You know, I just, sometimes I want to ask that before he, you know, before I die with a lightning bolt. But I just want to ask, what were you thinking? Because Jesus turned to Bartimaeus and said, what do you want me to do for you? kind of question is that, Lord? He's blind and he's poor. Uh, I'm going to go with he'd like to see. Why do you think Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Because it could have been anything. I want you to make me rich. I want to be at the right hand of your power when you come into your glory. Well, John and James already asked that. I think you have to say it. You do. What is it you want from God? Jesus didn't need to ask this question. Bartimaeus needed to answer it. And he said to Jesus, my teacher, teacher, let me see again, which tells us Bartimaeus was not born blind. Let me see the wonderful earth you created. Let me see my wife's face. Let me see my children. Let me see the blue sky. Let me see the... The the water and the trees, and let me see all that you have created. Oh God, just let me see again. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. And it says, Immediately he regained his sight. But here's a kicker and followed him on the way. Do you know what that means? Bartimaeus was in Jerusalem for the crucifixion. Here's something even better than that. Bartimaeus was in Jerusalem for the resurrection. Huh. Oh, I know why my dad preached this puppy 75 times. It begins with blindness and it ends with sight. And that's the message of the church for the world today. We don't need to waste our time telling the world how it's blind. The world wants to know is, have you got anything in there that'll help me see? It starts with a man sitting on the side of the road and life passing him by, and it ends with him standing up and following Jesus Christ to his death and resurrection. Now, there are things in this life we cannot fix, and especially if you're a child or youth here, I want you to understand this all blindness is not cured, and all cancer is not healed. And all sickness is not taken away instantaneously. That's not what we promise. But what we do promise is there is a compassion in the heart of God that will stop for all people. Heals us in ways beyond our knowing. And gives all of us true sight as to what our life is really all about. And then we get up. And we follow him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.